the Holy Family Chapel Hill podcast, where you will find our weekly sermons, as well as the occasional reflection, conversation, or interview. We are glad you are here. Welcome. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Imagine for a moment that this is you, fishing along the edge of the sea. You have grown up praying the words of the Psalms. They have been whispered in your ear, proclaimed in your hearing in the synagogue. Perhaps you are singing them right now as you repair your nets. As a child at night when you were sick, a parent carried you while pacing the house and chanting softly, For God alone my soul in silence waits. Truly my hope is in him. For he alone is my rock and my salvation. Put your trust in him always, O people. Pour out your hearts before him for God is our refuge. And then, one day, in the midst of life under occupation, while going about the work of fishing and repairing nets, the one of whom the Psalms speak walks along the shore and speaks directly to you. Follow me, and you do. I've sometimes wondered about the immediacy with which the disciples respond to Jesus. How do they know that the person who calls them is trustworthy? What is it about the call that causes them to respond without hesitation? In Jesus, those men, and in this case, it is all men, who come to be known as part of the Twelve, encounter more than a leader who might overthrow their chains of bondage. Perhaps they have in mind the kind of revolution hoped for by a people living under occupation, the kind of revolution that can be called into order by a compelling moral personality and the draw of undeniable charisma. But I don't think that is quite all. The trust the disciples have in Jesus of Nazareth and on which they act is the trust that they have in God the God they know in the scriptures of Israel and in story and song repeated over a lifetime. Hearing these stories is how they know something is happening when they meet the one who says to them, follow me. In Jesus, they encounter more than a compelling personality, 
God in flesh, the second person of the Trinity, reconstituting the people of God for the sake of healing and transformation. It is an overthrow more radical than they could have predicted. And while the disciples move quickly to follow Jesus, their eagerness will not be linear. Their following Jesus is complicated and dangerous. Their lives are punctuated by fear, confusion, and doubt, and not a bit of questioning. This isn't surprising. The gospel story for today sets us up to see this. After John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee. In a couple of short chapters, we discover that Herod beheaded John because of an ill-accepted confrontation of the former by the latter. And then the disciples become witnesses to Jesus's crucifixion and eventually martyrs of the faith themselves. Mark's gospel in one ending concludes, and they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. They have reason to be afraid. The dangers are real and they have reason to trust because Jesus is the one who can be trusted, the Messiah of Israel, Mary's son and the son of God. When I first read this week's text, it seemed to me that the psalm, in God is my safety and honor, was in tension with the gospel, where the cost of discipleship for the disciples is just right there on the page. Isn't the promise of safety and our tendency to repeat these kinds of phrases merely sentimental in light of what the gospel actually demands? But now reading them, I wonder if the disciples are safe in a different, a more ultimate way. Not one without demand, trial, or fear, but a way that brings God to bear it all with them. The disciples are not asked to give any cost that was not first demanded of Jesus. Might they give themselves over because they are safe, not because they are safe and secure from all harm, but ultimately because they are safe and secure in the person of Jesus? Put your trust in him always, O people, for God is our refuge. Each of us is given life by God, and God calls each of us. The joyous and demanding truth is that God is no less present to us in 2024 than in Jesus walking along the shores and piers at the Sea of Galilee. Differently present, perhaps, but not less. And so we must take the call of Jesus quite as seriously as these fishers by the sea. Some years ago, when Clark was interviewing me for my first job at Holy Family, he brought me here into the nave on a tour. And it was the moment that I walked through the double doors at the back that I knew I wanted to be here with all of you because I thought you could see and experience something of this demand in your life together. The font here at Holy Family is unique, as you all well know. For one, it is fixed, built into the space and immovable. For another, it's large. Is that big enough to hold a coffin? I asked. Big enough, yes. The font is positioned by the doors most of us enter through weekly so that we pass it and walk around it on our way in. And finally, it's in the shape of a cross. When you are brought through the waters of baptism, 
You are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. And this is a call. If you never hear an audible voice of God as you are going about your daily work, you can trust that God calls you to follow and to live in faithfulness and trust. In your baptism, you wear and receive the death of Jesus Christ. You are buried with him, with Christ, as it is written in Romans and engraved on the stones around our font. You are brought through the waters in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because in Jesus' death, you receive the salvation of God and communion with God forever in the triune life. And in that very moment, you are brought mysteriously into the life of God. And then you are received into the community of the faithful, the household of God. And you, along with us, are called to live faithfully in light of the good gifts that we have all received. And this may entail some consequences in the wider world. This life puts you in confrontation with the powers of sin violence and war, unfettered consumption, racism, and homophobia, just to name a few. It puts you on the side of the poor, the sick, the immigrant, the disabled, and those generally cast aside by society. To the dangers of death is added the loss of reputation and many other things besides. And the dangers are at every turn and every corner if we live as though we are grasped, grasped by and given over to Jesus, as though Jesus really is God, as though every risk to life and limb is relative to the gift of sharing in God's life. You may have noticed that I am missing a piece in this account of baptism, but my favorite phrase for thinking about baptism gets us there nicely. It is said that the saving water is a tomb, and at the same time, a womb. And so the font is sometimes referred to as womb and tomb. The engraving on our font reads, by baptism we share in his resurrection. The tomb is possible. Death is possible. The cost of discipleship is possible because God can be trusted also to hold us in the very womb of God, to hold us and bear us in ultimate safety. Whatever it is that happens to us, we receive back the promise of a future that belongs to a God who is salvation. It does not mean that it does not matter what happens to us. It means that death in all of its forms is subverted by the activity of a God who bears us in God's womb, delivers us into the refuge of home in God. It is this promise that I think the disciples are encountering in Jesus as he walks by the sea. When they get up and he says, follow me. When they get up and walk, they do so with their rock and stronghold. As with them, so with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Church of the Holy Family at holyfamilychapelhill.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. P.
Peace be with you.